Welcome to Coach to Coach, a podcast dedicated to showcasing the power of coaching. I'm your host, Dr. Katie Linder, and I offer coaching to academics and higher education professionals to bring more ease to their lives and work. Before you dive into this episode, here's a quick introduction to the structure of the show. In each season of Coach to Coach, a new guest coach will come on the show to demonstrate a range of coaching tools and strategies. The first episode will offer you an introduction to the guest coach. Then I'll coach the guest, and they'll coach me, for the next six episodes. And always on real topics and issues we're dealing with in our own lives. Each season will end with a debrief episode where we'll talk about how the season went and offer any updates on the topics covered in earlier episodes. It might make the most sense to start each season in the beginning and listen to the episodes in order. This season, I'm delighted to introduce you to Dr. Isabo Iqbal. Isabo specializes in helping ambitious perfectionists get out of their own way so that they can experience greater joy and fulfillment in their careers. Now, on to the episode. Isabo, I am so excited to have you come on the show and hear a little bit more about your coaching journey. And I would love to start out with just how did you first learn about coaching? How did this come into your life in the first place? Uh, when I was in my mid 20s, I did this certificate in entrepreneurship. So I had done an undergrad in dietetics, and then I was not really happy with that profession, and I decided to do something really different. And I did this certificate, and there was a woman, I can't remember if I met her at a networking event or if she was another student in the certificate program. And she said, oh, my boyfriend's training to become a coach. I had no idea what that was. And she says, um, he helps people who are starting businesses get clear on their direction. And it sounded good because I it, entrepreneurship was completely new to me. And he was doing his certification. So he offered me a series of, I, I'm, I'm guessing like six, some, you know, a, a number of coaching sessions and he was fabulous. And that was my first taste of coaching with somebody who actually called themselves a coach. Um, so that was my first intro to coaching. And then it must've been maybe eight, nine years later when I was started to work as an educational developer at, um, at UBC, one of the other, my colleagues invited a woman in to do a, a team session. And she was also a coach and she offered to all of us, any one of us who was interested to do some one-on-one -on -one coaching as a follow-up. And I did some coaching with her. So those are my two sort of early recollections of coaching. And, um, and then it was a number of years before I started to re-engage with coaching. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what you thought about it in those early days? Um, I don't know if I'm making up these memories or if they're actually <laughs> <laughs> okay. But what I what I seem to recall is really loving having someone there for me to help me work through something that I was having some trouble with. Yeah. Like someone who 
listened and asked questions and helped me get more clear about whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's one of my favorite parts of coaching is that a good coach has such a focus on you. Like they're so zeroed into helping you and figuring out kind of the clarity piece. And it's such a gift, like to have that kind of focus aimed at you. Yeah. And I'm not somebody who tends to like to talk a lot about myself. And so it sort of gave me permission to, Mm -hmm. to have that selfish attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how do you define coaching? What does coaching mean to you? Um, I would define it as a partnership, a, a trusting partnership between two individuals where one person, the coach, is supporting the other uh, to grow and to move forward in a way that's desired by the client. So really it's like the, 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 the trusting partnership piece mm-hmm. and the forward movement. Mm-hmm. When you think about that relationship with your coaching clients, what are the mo- most important aspects of that coaching relationship for you? Trust seems like it's a big part of it. Are there yeah. other things? Um, rapport. Because I was, when I was thinking about what aspects of this relationship make it make it a true partnership. I can trust somebody, but not feel connected to them, right? Like I can trust them because they're trustworthy, but that piece of rapport when I have been a, a coach and a coachee has been what's really made that relationship strong for, mm-hmm. for me. So it's a rapport is a, is a big one. Trust as you, as you said, and, um, there's certainly a feeling of mutuality that I think is in a good uh, coaching relationship. Uh, for myself, I tend to feel um, a lot of care towards the, the people that, that I coach. And it's hard for me to imagine being in a coaching relationship where, where I didn't feel that kind of sincere uh, care. Mm. Um, yeah, so I'd say those are the most important aspects and, um, like enjoying that time together. Mm -hmm. I love that. So I'm curious if you have certain things you like to do at the beginning of a coaching relationship to build that rapport or to kind of make sure that that's clicking in between you and a client. really practically um, is allowing for a conversation before we even decide to enter into a a coaching agreement. So um, I would say in every case, there's been a, a conversation 30 to 60 minutes where we have a chance to get to know each other a little bit better and get a feeling for, uh, for one another, because I, I do think it has to be a, a good fit 
both ways. So I'd say that is like a real practical piece of it. And sometimes um, what I do after a conversation is send a, a follow-up, but on video. Mm -hmm. And I've had some positive feedback there. Mm -hmm. So the first conversation tends to be where we can see each other. And then with a follow-up also uh, where there's a chance for at least them to, to see me. But in terms of once the uh, coaching relationship is officially started, I'd really say like it's through conversation. I don't, I can't think that I have any specific uh, tools or techniques that, that I use. I feel that that builds over, over time. Mm-hmm. hmm Well, I think the thing you mentioned too about that care, I mean, I would imagine that that is coming across to the client and building that trust, building that rapport, because your care is being communicated through all kinds of ways as you're building that relationship. Yeah, I certainly hope so. Um, and that's, that's my feeling too. Yeah. Okay. So I'm curious if you have any favorite coaching questions that you kind of keep coming back to or that you are kind of old favorites of yours or tools that you just feel are especially effective when you're working with your particular kinds of clients? I don't believe I have any favorites at this time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I got into coaching through the StrengthsFinder um, and Gallup. And so that tool, the College Clifton Strengths Assessment, was something that initially uh, was an entry point into coaching and sort of a consistent piece in the coaching conversations that, uh, that I was having. And I still use that sometimes, but uh, definitely not all the time or not even the majority of the time any anymore. So I would say to begin, that was a consistent tool that, um, that I use and that tool helps identify people's strengths. And that was uh, a focus of the conversation. Um, and now I would, I, I can't think of anything that I, uh, and really attached to or that I consistently use other than the most basic approaches around listening and curious mm-hmm. questions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And did you ask about the questions or not? I asked about the questions and the tools. So either yeah. one you want to respond to. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of the questions, I don't know if this is because this is one that's on my mind lately. Um, but one of the questions I really like is what do you gain by that perspective? Mm. So sometimes we have perspectives that we hold on to that aren't serving us. And I find it interesting <laughs> for myself to answer that question um, and to hear people's responses to that question mm-hmm. when we are getting in our own way. The other one that I haven't quite figured out. It's not a consistent one that I use, but, and I haven't quite figured out the right wording necessarily, but something along the lines is, is there anything else that needs to be said at this time? 
Mm-hmm. Because what I've discovered is uh, a coach, he will of course disclose information, but there is sometimes some, something big that's lurking there in, mm-hmm. in their mind, which hasn't been surfaced yet in the conversation for whatever reasons. And sometimes asking that question at, at a moment in the conversation will invite them to say, and then there's this thing. Right. The other one um, is what's important about that to you. Mm-hmm. Those are good ones. I do feel like coaching is often a space where people can say things out loud that they haven't said out loud before. Yeah. So that question of like, what else needs to be said or opening up that space to let someone say (laughs) the thing that maybe feels really scary or that they just haven't had a chance to articulate yet out loud. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's such an important role of coaching. And I think, I mean, both you and I work a lot with, people in higher education who mm-hmm. um, are used to being competent, accomplished. And I think sometimes it's difficult to talk about those areas where we're not feeling that way mm-hmm. and to say to another person that, um, this is the way things are going and I wish it, I wish it weren't so. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I do think that is, that, that takes courage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you mentioned StrengthsFinder as kind of your entry point, but I would love to hear also about just the kinds of coaching you're offering right now and the role that coaching is playing in your business, you know, in terms of how you're working with clients. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, so I'd say there's kind of two, probably way more than that, but uh, in terms of professional work, really two main avenues for, for the coaching. One is in my part-time work as an educational developer, I do a lot of one-on-one consultations. And so just like we are always facilitating, um, like there's always coaching moments, right? So it doesn't need to be a, a formal coaching session for it to be coaching, mm-hmm. just in the questions that we ask and the way we listen and whatever it, it might be. So in my one-on-one consultations, I would say is um, with, within the educational development work, that is um, a piece where coaching uh, happens. And then in terms of my business, uh, that has been largely with higher ed professionals. It has all been one-on-one uh, work to to date, some in person and a lot online. Um, and that's and then there's coaching with family with friends, mm-hmm. which isn't a coaching session, which is not again like a formal coaching coaching relationship. Um, does that answer your question? Am I answering your question? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. interesting because I, I just took today, um, the International Coaching Federation had a survey. 
that they put out, like kind of an international survey of their members. And one of the questions was, do you consider coaching an industry, a profession, or a skill set? Interesting. It was interesting. And the way you just described kind of coachable moments of, you know, like if you think about coaching as a skill set that you bring to any engagement that you have, yes. you're going to have formal sessions with people, but you're also going to have situations where you're going to pull out a tool or a question that is just putting your coaching hat on, you know, in that moment and saying, how can I leverage the skills of coaching to just further whatever is happening here or to unpack something that needs to unpack. And it sounds like you're doing that quite a bit, both in your professional life and in your personal life. Yeah, it does. And I think, um, whereas perhaps I wouldn't have thought of it as a coaching moment, um, as I learn more about coaching and, and grow my own skills, then I see, ah, all right, this is, this is, this is coaching. Mm-hmm. You know, when I, when my daughter comes to me and, with something and I silently listen to her as opposed to trying to help her fix the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, that's coaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is, I think also an interesting piece of working with academics or higher education professionals is we are often very focused on fixing problems <laughs> And especially in kind of consultant situations, um, wanting to be the expert, wanting to be able to solve problems. And coaching is really focused on other things. And that can be part of the tension, I think, of working with that particular audience. Yeah. And I'd say that's probably been, you know, the biggest shift because the, um, the, the StrengthsFinder, the Gallup training that I had done is not pure coaching. And they are very, uh, they're clear about that and they're not apologetic about it. They they are aware of what what that is, what their own approach is. And um, so I think the biggest shift in my own coaching has been this theme of, you know, coach the client, not the problem. Whereas Mm -hmm. before it was really about coaching around the problem and how can um, I help you be accountable and, and what can we do to fix this? Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So I've, I've, I've moved away from that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm curious um, if you can describe if there are certain ways that you think your coaching is distinct, that you're kind of bringing certain things to that coaching relationship that might stand out in terms of your coaching practice. Yeah. I love this question. Um, And I don't know. I would be curious to ask somebody who's had some experience, you know, with several coaches um, about that. So I'm, I'm going to, you know, provide an answer, which I think is, is a guess, which is a guess. Um, I think partly because of my entry into it around strengths-based approaches is, is really listening for strengths. So both how those strengths support us, but also how they can get in, in our way. Um, so I feel like that kind of always in a bit in the background. Uh, I would say perhaps the fact that I have had so many coaches myself over the last 25 years, um, 
probably in some way informs my coaching in that I've had the experience of being a coachee, a client, uh, many different times in many different circumstances. Mm. The other parts which, again, like really tangible, practical pieces that might be, that might be different only because I haven't had this experience as a, as a client uh, that much is that I uh, send notes afterwards of some of the key ideas from our, our conversation, including any, any action items so that um, we both have a, a record of that. And then often I will check in with the people between calls again, because I care and I'm, I'm interested in how things are, are going. And I want, I want the client to know that I'm thinking of them because I am thinking of them. Um, yeah, I would, I would say those are some of the ways they may be distinct or they may not. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned engaging in coaching as a client. And, yeah. um, and before we hit record, you and I were talking about this uh, and the importance, I think, of from a, from a coaching perspective, knowing what it's like to be a client. Yeah. I'm curious, can you talk about how you know you want to be coached around something? Like, when do you know it's the right time to engage a coach? Because I think some, so many of our clients come a little trepidatiously to the yeah. coaching relationship. Like they're not sure if it's the right time to make that investment in themselves. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit about that and how you've made that decision at various points? Often it's the, uh, it's when I finally hit a point of acceptance mm. that this thing that I want to change, because it's often around some change that I'm struggling with, um, is not going to happen from my own, you know, willpower. That it's it's it, this this is a bigger issue. It's mm-hmm. not about me being um, not sufficiently motivated or determined or disciplined, but that there is something else that. Um, that needs to to happen and that it's bigger than what I can do by myself. So I'd say that is often uh, the turning point is the acceptance, you know, and, and often also the utter frustration. Like I've hit a point where I am not prepared to continue with the, you know, the status quo and, and feeling sufficiently motivated to, to make a change. Mm-hmm. And there are times where I've opted for therapy and there's times where that's just not the way I want to go. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want a coach approach to it. And how do you, how do you differentiate between those? I know some people listening are like, how do you know, <laughs> how do you know when you need one versus the other? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm fairly impatient, so there are times where I don't feel that going into the past and trying to understand the root causes is going to help me move forward. Mm -hmm. And so I would say it's like really an intuitive 
gut decision. It's not because I want to avoid my, my past, but more because I feel that um, for whatever it is, that a, for, a forward moving um, approach would serve me better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I would love to hear who is your ideal client? Who are the coaching clients that you lock into, you love to work with? Yeah. I, um, are we, we're assuming they're hired professionals, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if that's part of your ideal. Yes, it is. Um, I love working with people who are really reflective, who... Yeah, who for whom doing that kind of, of thinking about their own perspectives and motivations and behaviors is um, that that is I wouldn't say a happy place, but it's it's something that they are ready to to do. And another element of uh, an ideal client for me is that they're they're ready to share and they're ready to shift. Um, so they're ready to speak with somebody else about what's going on with a degree of honesty and, and openness. Um, and they're ready to take action on some aspects to help themselves move forward. I would say another characteristic of my ideal client is that they're courageous and they're open to considering alternatives. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to um, I tend to also like working with people who are fairly gentle. Like that's just a personality type that that seems to work for me. Um, I have I have often sort of categorized my ideal. A client as an ambitious perfectionist mm-hmm. <laughs> and they tend to be in um, more in the mid-career stage I have worked with some people who are earlier on but nobody who's like you know fresh out of their undergrad um, and and starting a, a career mm-hmm. um, within higher education so they tend to be uh, mid-career mm-hmm. okay yeah I'm curious, Isabel, if you have certain areas of coaching that you are still developing in, that you are really enjoying learning more about and digging into right now as you're developing your coaching practice. Yeah. So um, when I decided to start developing as a coach, I did uh, intentionally selected a very short certification four and a half days through, uh, through Gallup to become certified as a strengths, um, Gallup certified strengths coach. And, uh, I did that because I wanted to see what it would be like and didn't want to do a year long, uh, program. So 
after doing that for a while, I felt ready to embark. I was like, yeah, for sure. I love doing this. Um, I'm going to, to embark in a program to become certified with the International Cook Federation. So I'm developing in that way in terms of through an accredited program, as you know, uh, to, to become certified through the International Cook Federation. In terms of like more broadly, the areas that I would love to grow into as a coach, I would um, really love to find ways to incorporate more creativity mm. in coaching. So I tend to be quite in my head. And I think a lot of higher ed folks, or at least the ones I've worked with, um, that is a place where we spend a lot of time. And so to find ways to incorporate the body or the breath or movement um, or other senses would be something that I'd be really, really excited uh, to do. Um, one step at a time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> other areas that I would really like to to continue to develop around is this notion of coaching the client, not the problem. Right? And, and also um, group coaching would be something that I'd be quite interested in, in uh, developing skills, skills in. Yeah, those are the, those are the areas right now. Okay. So I know some people listening to this may be trying to decide right now if coach training is, for them. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about that decision? You mm -hmm. mentioned kind of waiting until you felt ready. What helped you to feel ready? And, you know, how did you kind of decide? Because it is a time investment. It is a financial investment. It is a cognitive and affective investment. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about how you made the decision to take the leap into that? So the first decision to do the Gallup or the second decision to do the, um, the accredited longer term program? I actually think both, you know, like what, cause one was kind of a dipping the toe in, but then the second one was definitely like jumping in the deep end. So tell us a little bit about both of those decisions. Yeah. So I was, um, as I mentioned, have had, have been a client many, uh, on many occasions and then a number of years ago, I found myself also working with a number of people who were training as becoming coaches. And I felt like I was benefiting from other people's skills as, as coaches and um, became sufficiently interested that I wanted to, to pursue uh, some training myself. Talked to a, a lot of people. The, um, I had done the Clifton Strengths assessment, had really, really benefited from, from it. I uh, came across some podcasts and a person who um, just kind of re-peaked my, my interest in that. And so I thought, okay, that, uh, that would be a good way to start because it's, it, it was a big financial investment. It wasn't a big investment of time. The other thing that I uh, was really aware of is I have, because we have so much practice being learners, you know, as people who have done PhDs and um, spent a lot of time <laughs> practicing this skill of learning, mm -hmm. I felt confident about my ability to learn coaching. Mm -hmm. But I did not feel confident 
about my ability to develop a business. Mm -hmm. And so knowing myself, I thought I'm going to do a short training where I can't postpone the business development piece. Mm -hmm. So four and a half days of training. And then I started to work on developing the business and also continuing to practice um, and develop the skills as a coach. Uh, I would say it was in the back of the m- my mind to do the longer training right, right from the beginning, uh, but I didn't want to give myself an excuse to not develop the business. So it was about a year and a half into it when I had been really consistently working on growing the business piece of it that I felt, okay, I have a ton to learn in terms of the business, but I'm really enjoying that piece of it. And I'm feeling that it, I'm not going to drop off and fade off. And so now is the time to do the ICF certification because I feel like in the world of coaching, um, there's, there's so many certifications right now. Right. I wanted something where I felt um, uh, that I felt that there was rigor, mm-hmm. that there was um, that I would be proud of having that as mm-hmm. uh, as part of my my background that would help differentiate me from from other coaches who might have different certifications and. Um, and that's when I started to reach out to people who I knew were certified through the ICF to find out where they had done their training. I um, had certain requirements around not being not wanting to travel, not wanting you know, major disruptions, and so an online program um, spread over time seemed like the best fit. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that was that was part of some of the decision making pieces that went in for me. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I have found interesting, especially since we both work with higher ed clients, is um, a lot of my clients seem to be reassured by me having a credential. Uh-huh. And that was definitely part of my decision to do the formal training because I had been coaching for years before I decided to do the training. But I was getting some questions from institutions who were paying on behalf of my clients asking if I had credentials. Um, but also, I, I just got the sense that, you know, credentials speak to higher ed professionals. They get that. Many of them have advanced degrees. And the idea that, you know, when you go through this training, you would have minimum 60 hours, sometimes 125 hours of training. That seems to reassure some people who may be kind of skeptical about coaching. How has your experience been with that in terms of your own clients and, and how they feel about the credential? I'm not yet certified with the International Coach Federation, so I haven't had that experience of someone going, oh, you know, phew, or, you know, really happy to see that you're certified with, um, with the ICF. Uh, but it makes perfect sense, and it also uh, speaks to my own values and own experience of how I make decisions and look at um, how, yeah, how I make Choices about who I want to work with. Um, sometimes I feel like a snob for putting so much emphasis on on things like that. And I also recognize that 
yeah, okay, it's a tool I am. I do, I do look at that. Um, so I guess, you know, to be determined mm-hmm. still. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not surprised, though, by what you're saying. Yeah, it's been interesting. Some people care, some people don't. Yeah. Um, but it, it doesn't surprise me, like you said, that in the higher ed space, people would be attentive to that. For sure. And I know from having seen some job advertisements where some large organizations are seeking coaches, uh, that the ICF is, is always part of the uh, desire, you know, characteristics or requirements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I'm curious if you have any favorite coaching resources, mm-hmm. um, like books or podcasts or other things that have been really helpful for you on your own journey or just even as you're kind of actively practicing coaching? Yeah. Um, I have not come across any books that I absolutely love. So I'll be curious to hear from you and others if there are some that I'm just missing. Um, but I would, I'm a huge fan of podcasts. So uh, the coaching podcasts that I listen to regularly are the, um, the Phil Goddard's The Coaching Life, also Dave Stahoviak's uh, Coaching for, for Leaders, um, Brooke Castillo's The Life Coach School. Those are the ones I listen to regularly that have a coaching versus mm, a, a business emphasis. Mm-hmm. Um, did I say Gallup's called to coach? Not okay. yet. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, um, still regularly listen to their, to their podcasts. Um, and then in terms of a resource, it would be at this point, probably my course manual for mm-hmm. the, the course that I'm, that I'm taking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have found recently, because I've been doing a deep dive into coaching books just to kind of see what's out there. And um, also in the beginning was really relying on a coaching manual that was provided by my training program. But one of the books I stumbled across that is really simple and um, just really pleasant is one called The Coaching Habit. I'll link to it in the show notes. I did read that one. Yeah. And I love its focus on questions and like core questions and why you would ask those kinds of questions. And it talks about one of my favorite questions, which is what else, Um, just to kind of keep prompting a client, you know, what else? And I think it's such a creative question to kind of get their brain um, engaging and like making a list or brainstorming. Um, So that's one that I would definitely recommend. Yeah, I wrote a blog post on that um, uh, quite some time ago uh, because it was actually Dave Stahoviak who interviewed Michael Bungate Stanier. And um, after that, I had read the book. But like aside from that one, I I have read, I think, maybe one other one. So the, um, the coaching habit, is, it, is that the title of the book? The coaching the habit, yeah. Yeah, the coaching mm-hmm. habit. That one was good, but that's the only one that, that really I would say I have come across that I like, but I haven't read many others. Yeah. Well, we will collect resources as we go through this show. um, And we'll definitely link to Dave's episode um, in the show notes as well. So people can listen to him chatting about the coaching habit. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Okay. Anything else that you want to share before we dive into this season of coaching one another? 
Mm, let me think here if there's anything else. I think I didn't mention, but I know we've talked about this a little bit, um, is a, another influence in coaching was the Tara Moore's work on playing big. Mm-hmm. Um, I first read her book and then did her group coaching program as again as a participant in in that program and that was another one where uh, that had a fairly significant influence on on some of my thinking like there's certain principles that she that are part of that of her work on playing big which um which have helped me shift some perspectives or become more aware of uh, certain perspectives that I was um, that I was just assuming without even really questioning them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that might be it in terms of things to say. Okay, that's a great resource. I recommend that one to clients all the time. Yes. People really love it. It really is good. Yeah. It's very coaching focused in a very light way. I mean, I think it's, if you don't know what coaching is, you might not recognize the exercises. Um, But if you're trained as a coach, there are very common coaching exercises included throughout that book. Um, So I love that, that she's kind of embedded it into that larger message. Yeah. And her group coaching program was really well done too. Good. Okay. We'll link to all of that in the show notes in case people want to take a look. Uh, Well, I am so excited to coach with you this season. I think it's going to be such a fun time for our listeners who are going to hang around this season. You'll hear um, Isabeau and I go back and forth um, coaching each other and then do a debrief at the end of the season. So I'm looking forward to it. And I want to thank you again for coming on this coaching journey with me. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Until next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Coach to Coach. For any resources mentioned in the episode, check out the episode show notes at drkatielinder.com slash coach. If you found this episode to be helpful, please take a moment to rate or review the show in Apple Podcasts or recommend this episode to a friend or colleague. Thanks for listening.